Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9, the Horn Jam Pack show for you. A lot of great sports topics to get into. We'll talk about Texas basketball getting a fresh new commitment. We'll also talk about Texas football in 2024 uh, getting a couple of new commitments in that class. We'll also get into some other news, notes, and nuggets going behind the burnt orange curtain, talking some Texas football. Quinn Ewers getting rave reviews from the Manning camp. Also, you'd be Shocked to see where the Big 12 ranks in the overall NIL arms race going on between the Power 5 conferences. We'll talk about that, too, coming up. We'll also get into the Texans. They signed Will Anderson. Uh, We'll also uh, dive into the NBA. Dame Lillard's team meeting with the Blazers. What does that mean? Also, there's a trade in the NBA to discuss. Uh, My man Patrick is back, so we'll talk about Wimby mania going on right now in San Antonio, right down the way. All of that and more before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. He's one of the hard Broken members for the ARN family. He's got a hustler spirit, period. We don't know what the man is paid, but we're pretty damn sure that he's underpaid and he's back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Patrick Davis, y'all. What's going on, brother? Oh, man, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Jack for holding down the four and everybody behind the scenes who held down. Uh, but it's good to be back. Uh, you uh, had your vacation. It was fun. So, got just to hang out. Got a little chance to hang out. Just got relax. To beach? By the beach? Right, down by the beach. It was right by there. So, I go down and, and go down there a few times, yes. go to the pool. Oh man! Just hang out, have a good, just relaxing. 
Relax, yeah. I had some buddies come down. My family was down there, so it was, it was good. Beautiful thing. And you picked a strange time considering how much of an NBA fan you are because it was like one of the big it was. big moments of the NBA calendar with the draft, especially as a Spurs fan. It was. Well, that's probably why was, you did it. The, no, the truth was uh, my family picked that date in, like, December. Okay. And so I could either go on another week and not have my family down there and miss the family vacation, not seeing the niece and nephew, my parents, nah. and all that, or I could have gone that week and hung out with the family. So that's why I went Got to see the family. Yeah. No doubt. It's all about family. You can uh, come back and talk about your damn Spurs anytime. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think it was a bit of a reprieve because you've just been celebrating the whole damn week with the Spurs, uh, picking Wimbenyama and making it official, official. Uh, so we'll talk about that, actually. We'll get into that in the top of the 4 o'clock, uh, all of the different styles. Man, you talk about jet setting. He was all over the place. I don't think there. I mean, he he made pretty much all the stops you needed to make for when Miami. He threw out the first pitch for the Yankees. He was on Good Morning America. Yeah. Uh, man, he like I said, it it didn't sound like there was enough time in the day. And then he flew to San Antonio to go hang out with the Spurs fans and kick it and have some breakfast tacos. I saw the video of somebody handing him breakfast tacos. Oh yeah, like on like the, I was like I don't know if it was on a tarmac or whatever, but during the official like celebration, once he got there, a couple of sp- uh, faithful Spurs fans because they heard him say he wanted breakfast tacos, handed him oh, tacos. Oh, ready. Yeah, just ready for him. And I, I'm assuming he just ate them. Very trustworthy. I love it. Yeah, great. He, came and he was like, oh no, this wouldn't be a problem. And you're like, hey man. Well, I guess I think they were let into the like. I well, they I know they, probably, they were vetted because they had already, you know, it got out when he was going to be in coming to the airport. Yeah, but still, so the airport's packed. So I think there was a group of people that got like past security to go hand it to him. Oh yeah, I'm not remarking about how shade. You're right. I'm not going dark and sadistic <laughs> about somebody trying to like poison uh, Wimby. No, no, no. I mean, because even my breakfast tacos, breakfast. Okay, there are a few items when you eat, you have to eat them on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Right, because when they they don't take they don't they, they don't travel they, yeah they lose their they depreciate in terms yeah. of their freshness at a That's rapid true. rate yeah and breakfast tacos is on I know you can reheat it but he didn't have a reheating device with him at the yeah. time so Michael would have been like hey man how old are these breakfast tacos when did y'all buy them how long did y'all wait I need them within a five minute window of them coming out of the kitchen yeah that's kind of how I'm I, I, but I, 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 I need a food them. truck pulled up to the airport <laughs> you <laughs> make you them go. in the food truck <laughs> and they hand them to me. <laughs> I pop him down and we're good. We're in the, no. I mean him in the car right out of the food truck. I'm good. I'm assuming because he's such a big deal. That's exactly what they did. I, I could believe it. I'm assuming because we did it. Nah, nah, nah. We're gonna have these. This is gonna be legit. And he still okay. We'll get into that on the four, top of the four o'clock because uh, he did actually get his breakfast tacos. So we'll talk about Wimby Mania because I know I'm in. And I want to get Patrick's thoughts about all the trades and the draft. Your thoughts about that too. And there's a trade that is happening or reportedly uh, happening as we speak. And this Dame Lillard news, also big news in the NBA. So we'll get to that, too, coming up. Uh, we know the College World Series final is also tonight uh, between uh, LSU and Florida. And that is, um, man, that we'll get into it a little bit, too. But that game, too, was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that was wild. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, – I, I guess it could be entertaining, but I, I was just more shocked. And jaw on the floor. That, Luckily, from all reports, all the LSU fans were too drunk to notice. Uh, <laughs> Luckily. They have dominated the Jello Shot Challenge. Or and apparently drank several places out of booze. Uh, really? Yeah, that was the other report. Is like the hotel ran out of booze at a certain point, and then like another restaurant ran out of booze at a certain wow. point. Wow. Okay. There you go. 
Um, well, at least we know why they were drinking um, after game two. Yeah. I mean, that was. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, can you, got, you imagine that to lose like that and then go back to hotel and they're like, oh, no, we're out. Like, what? Yeah. You got to drown your sorrows after that. For those who uh, didn't keep up the uh, Tigers, they took it after taking a 3 1 lead um, through two innings. Florida exploded and scored 23 unanswered runs to put the game out of reach. Crazy. That 24 runs were the most runs by. Uh, any team that has ever scored in a single game at the College World Series. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, that's uh, obviously a hot topic, too. So uh, we'll, of course, squeeze that conversation in at some point um, coming coming up later on in the show. All right, let's start out talking a little Texas uh, football and Texas sports, actually, because Texas basketball had a big uh, commitment. As a matter of fact, we can start with the uh, Texas basketball conversation um, because, you know, it's obviously, you know, Texas football. We'll get to the uh, commits over the weekend, but um, – there was a big recruiting weekend for Texas, too. So we'll get into some of the details of that. But this just landed. So this is more breaking news because that other news broke over the weekend. Uh, but this happened probably, I don't know, four hours ago or something today. Uh, the Longhorns landed commitment from the four-star guard Chris Johnson. And uh, apparently at one point he was committed to Kansas. Yeah. Uh, at one point. Oh, actually, they said signee, actually. I don't know how he got out of that. but um, Well, I think, and this is the deal, I think when Arterio Morris ends up going to Kansas – it kind of takes away what he does, and he knows, all right, now that puts me a spot behind at Kansas because Artiro Morris and me are similar mm. players in some aspects. So if we put him there, then you know I'm not going to be able to be the versatile scorer. That's another guy in front of me. Okay. So I'm going to go to where Artiro Morris just left. Uh, makes it, especially in the transfer portal game. The transfer yeah. portal giveth and it taketh away. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're playing the game, that makes a lot of sense. He's originally, I believe, from uh, out of Houston. Uh, is it Mo City? Yes. That he's out of. And, yeah, out of a four-star combo guard. Uh, like I said, he was a signee with the Kansas Jayhawks at one point. Um, but this is a big – I, I read, and this is a little nugget I'm trying to get to. Okay, here it is from on three. Uh, so shout-out to them. I like this little nugget. He said – and he said when he was asked about why Joe Texas would attracted him to Texas – he said, another reason is how Texas plays. I watched them a lot last year, and I've been in the gym with a, with a guy like Serge Barry Rice since middle school. Okay. And I just feel more comfortable going to Texas knowing that uh, it's, just, it's crazy to throw it out there. He said, and that, um, he said that Rice survived and was successful in the program, and also T.J. Ford is a mentor for me. Okay, so we got a lot of Texas ties here. Yeah. Uh, he said the things he did at – uh, did at that place, and the culture at Texas were big. So there you go. Like the way they played, also the ties. The Texas ties are always big. Yeah, and I mean, I think that is something of, you know, for a guy like that who isn't necessarily the defense isn't the number one thing you're going to see on a scouting report of him, is to go to a place like Texas where the defense wasn't the number one thing on Jabari Rice's either. And you can make the right plays, you can fit into a defense that plays really well, and then that feeds into your offense. And it looked like Rodney Terry much more than Chris Beard was a guy that was going to let you kind of, if you got hot, keep keep giving you the ball. And for a young player, a young guard who likes to score, mm-hmm. that's something that you like to see as a coach who goes, "All right, I'm going to get down, and when I start going, if I'm if I'm feeling it, you're going to let me. You're going to let me feel it. You're going to feed me the ball. And we're going to go." And so that may be something that uh, before he may have not felt that way as much. But watching them play this year under Rodney Terry, you saw a little bit more of that. Let's ride the hot hand. Let's go with it. And for a young guard, that's a fun thing to see. 
that, man, if I hit a couple shots, they're not going to feed it back over and just go, oh, no, we're, this is our guy. Yeah. Whatever's this, working. Yeah, yeah. Working, and when yeah. you see with Jabari Rice, you go, man, it was Timmy Allen was a guy, Mark's car's a guy, and then he gets hot, and he's getting 20-plus points in a, in a game, mm. even though he wasn't their number one option until in the, in the what, Big 12 championship game? Yeah, and pretty then much. That's when he started Sioux. blossoming, yeah. And so <laughs> you just keep going around to when you see that, hey, man, if I get hot and if I go and prove myself, I can go get the ball. That's something that a lot of these younger guys who mm. in today's system, they go, look, you got the number one recruit. Like if Ron Holland's there, you just figure, well, Ron Holland's going to get the ball. Yeah. Which, by the way, I saw uh, the ESPN's first mock draft. Ron Holland is now the number one overall projected pick next year. Ooh. Which is why he's not going to Texas. Okay. Which I know it would have been great to get the number one overall pick in Texas. Hey. But yeah, that is. You got to shoot for the stars. He is, now, he is now projected in ESPN's way too early mock draft of next year. No need to have any feelings heard about that then. No. He, he is projected <laughs> very high. <laughs> so I, I think you want to see hey, man, we, there isn't necessarily a straight set number one at Texas. That's not how Ronnie Terry coaches. He coaches for let's make them adjust to the new guy, and when they adjust to that, then it leaves the other guy open. And man, if once they adjust off our number one score, and they think he's number two or number three, how many points is he going to put up before they have to shift the defense back? Yeah, that's and a as point. long as we can just keep shifting the defense around, they'll never have that point. And good teams are able to do that a lot better. No, for, that's a great point because at Texas, it was almost stages of it: Marcus Carr, then Sergio Barry Rice. And then from then on, it, it felt like there were fillers where guys just had yeah. their standout performances, whether it was a Timmy Allen or someone else. And then late in the season, Dylan DeSue. Yeah. They just rode DeSue. That's a great point. I mean, that's and, – and he's he, and, and the young man said it. You know, that's what attracted him to Texas. He likes the way they played. That's always a great compliment for a coach. Um, Sark has that. Um, Sark's able to – well, actually – Perfect segue, actually. Uh, Sark's offense is aesthetically pleasing. It's attractive. It's stimulating for, you know, for exciting for young players. I think for A&M, they have the opposite uh, issue where it's they have an offense that's not that exciting. It's not aesthetically pleasing. It's not fun to watch. So it's hard to sell. It's easy to sell Sark's offense. That's why I think he can get – he can stockpile the room with quarterbacks, a lot of wide receivers, and now we're seeing running backs too, uh, the latest being um, – Jarek Gibson, he is a uh, – you know, there are a lot of different recruiting services, so just, you know, obviously he is the top – some people – ESPN has him as the top running back. I saw – I think on three has him as the number two running back in the country, so it's – it depends on what service you're looking at. Um, but he chose Texas over Miami, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee – um, and it, and to short choice is probably looking more like the star here. So you're talking about coming off a draft where he had – there were two running back shows in the first round, and he can walk into a living room of a running back prospect and say, I coached both of them. Yeah. I coached Jameer Gibbs and I coached B. John Robinson. You know what? You kind of remind me of those guys. And, and trust me, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't true, but that's, that's the kind of stuff they say. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> technically true. <laughs> if I say it's true, it's true. Because I, I, I coach Who else can say that is basically what the short choice would say. Uh, second recruiting cycle uh, to short choice has gone to Florida and poached their top player at the running back position. And that is big. You're talking about a, a recruiting a football mecca and a football – a fertile recruiting ground for football. C.J. Baxter, of course, was on the Ford Acres now. So, and they also had a running back in this class earlier, Christian Clark, not as highly touted 
um, as Jarrett Gibson. I think he's considered the number 20 running back in the country. I say not highly touted, but <laughs> <laughs> number 20 running back in the country. No, not too bad. He's pretty damn good. Uh, so uh, getting to, to the point where we were just talking about, um, I think Sark's able – to recruit a lot of these big-time players, to short choice, give him a t- ton of credit, too, and stockpile them because they see an opportunity to play. And honestly, if he's able to stockpile these running backs, so right, you got Jonathan Brooks still in that running back room. You'll have Keelan Robinson in the running back room. We're talking about 2024, so we're talking about down the line. We're just talking about him stacking the, the room, right? And, and you had Bijan and Rojo. Now you're going to have Jay Brooks, Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, C.J. Baxter um, by the time that – older group leaves you'll have cj baxter Jarrett gibson and i'm assuming they're stacking the class with some other guys uh i think part of the thing that made them attractive and i wonder how much sark will utilize it i'll probably get into it more in rod's round the day their usage of two uh, multi-back sets um last year they upped their usage of multi-back sets from 2021 it made sense your best player your best leader or your running back so put them both on the field together it made sense um I don't know if it makes as much sense this year, so I'm really intrigued to see if he still utilizes multi-back sets. Now, obviously not as much as he did last season with B. John and Rojo, two NFL running backs in the backfield at the same time. But if he has figured out some, and with Brendan Marion gone, who pioneered and created the go-go offense, which is a two-tailback offense with a triple-option run game and a West Coast passing game, I do wonder if he'll utilize it this year a little bit more, or since they're so loaded at receiver, if you'll just see more multi-receiver sets instead of multi-back sets. Yeah, and I figure he'll still, like, he's a guy who likes to switch it up a lot and throw a lot of different looks at a defense. So you'll still see it enough. It's going to be the usage rate out of it if if it's going to be, is he trying to get big plays out of it, or is he just showing it to show a defense it? That's a good point. Is he going to try and, is it, hey, man, we're running two tailback. It's it's a C-gap. Hey, we're running two tailback. It's, you know, we're just trying to get four yards. We're running two tailback. It's three-yard play. Is it that, or is he actually running different looks out of it to make a defense really make him look different and run two tailback and then throw it deep and just try and throw him off? Because we know he likes to throw deep. So Oh, we know he likes to throw deep. <laughs> so I think that's a question of – we'll definitely see it. It's how much are we going to see it in – in use throughout the offense of using it in ways that are unconventional and new and making it to where these running backs that are coming in are going to see it as an opportunity to be part of something where they go, hey, man, so in the same formation, I have three run plays, I have three pass plays, I can go here and I'm a, it's an option kind of play, and I have all these different things to showcase my abilities. Yeah. And that's what's more fun for a lot of these players. Hell, last year they had three running backs in the backfield on plays. Yeah. They had all three of them in back. But to your point, I could see him using it either game plan specific for a certain team. He's like, no, 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 we can, we can really hit him with these specific plays with two tailback sets. Or, because last year it was, it was closer to being like part of their identity. It made sense, Rojo and Bijan. I could see it now being a more complimentary piece that is either game plan specific or, as you meant, as you just pro- broke down, he's trying to unlock something within the defense. So he's using it to almost troubleshoot. And test, you know, kind yeah. of test out the defense no, a little bit and see I, if they're I, where they're vulnerable. Yeah, I was, I was, I was reading a piece today about Kyle Shanahan using defense or offensive plays that he knew wouldn't work to unlock a defense. Yes, basically he going, doesn't. hey, I like, I know this is not going to do anything, but if I do this and I can see how they line up, then I understand how to unlock the defense. Yep. And so we will see it in that sense. We know Stark will do that. Yeah. Uh, is trying to figure out, okay, if I line up this way, how do they line up? 
But the question is, yeah, if you come out of it, and if it works, are you going to stick to it? Are you going to be able, is he going to, if, you know, if you go out there in the quarter, if it's a windy day, do you stick to the running game or do you continue to try and throw deep even though you're just not having the same the odds? Well, this year, the passing game, it, last year, obviously, the identity was built on Bijan, right? Put some Bijan yeah. on it with a side of Rojo. This year, all your assets, all your proven commodities are in the passing game. JT Sanders, X-Man, Jay Witt. Um, hell, even A.D. Mitchell coming in. Isaiah Nayor yeah. haven't proven it here, but they've proven it at other places. And, of course, Quinn Ewers and the Golden Arm. And the O-line you've been stacking. You brought back all your starting offensive linemen. So, I, you know, I know they need to be balanced. They need to run the ball. And in the Washington game, it was a subpar performance uh, for the running game. But if you're going to ask me the identity of the offense, which should be built on what your strengths are and what you're good at, it's got to be the passing game. It's got it be. does, and I mean, I will also throw in the fact that Keelan Robinson is a guy that he likes to use in those trying to be chunk run plays. He does as a running back yeah. and chunk, you know, kind of to, to the perimeter. Yeah, and so that's a guy now that we sit there and say, okay, when they use him in that, we know what they're going to try and do with him. So the, I, I agree with you. The position we're trying to figure out is what these younger guys at running back, how versatile are they going to be able to be, and how how big of a leash is he going to give some of these younger guys early in the next season. When you basically could give you didn't you, they were off leash. Bijan Rojo were off leash. Oh, Whatever yeah. you want, guys, you're running it. Yep. You you know this better than anyone else on the field right now. And now you have some guys you have to go, hey, I know you want those extra six yards. That that's they're giving the ball back when you fight for those extra six. Like you you're swinging that ball out too wide, trying to get those extra two yards, and that's a turnover. We can't have that. You have to watch some of these younger guys a little bit more because they just haven't been in those positions. I know. Yeah. And exactly. And so they prove themselves. And again, Which, when you play in Alabama or you play a really good team like a Oklahoma State that just has a lot of guys that have that are trained to look for that kind of stuff. Hell, Bijan Pumble versus Tech. Yeah, versus Tech. I mean, no, I'm with you. I I, I do. I think that. Uh, until the running back room proves itself, you're going to be relying on that passing game, which is, you know, I think the strength of the team right now, uh, offense, I should say. And that and that leads to the other point of these running backs. Are you going to be good in pass pro? Because if they you're throwing sh- deep a lot, you know, if you're throwing two tailback set, at least one of those needs to be a pass pro. Hell, even in you know one back sets, they need to be good in pass yeah. pro. Jay Brooks, I'm assuming at this point. As a veteran, he should be trustworthy in pass pro. The rest of them, great point. I, Keelan Robinson, just out of you know size alone, I don't know if he's as trusted. Yeah, he's in maybe pass a, pro. you know going for those little chops, yeah. and stuff like that, but not necessarily standing his own. And then C.J. Baxter, of course, um, he's and Jaden Blue too. Both of those guys. And someone said, don't forget about Savion Red. Don't forget about Savion Red. I love the. You know the at least the thought process would save you on red to experiment with hybridism. I think Sark he's experimenting with positionless football, but he hasn't really embraced it. I love that he at least looks at a skill set like Savion Red and is willing to see if he could experiment with him and then acknowledge it. He, he still won't use the term positionless football. He won't use it. He says everything else except it. He won't use it yet. I think he's he's I don't know, he's reluctant for some reason. Uh, and, 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 and Shano, who he's a big admirer of, who he goes to visit, Shano all the time and all that kind of stuff, he is the foremost mind, the foremost, uh, and I would say, I don't know if he's the only one, because Arthur Smith is in it too, but he's definitely the leader and the pioneer of positionless football on offense in the NFL. He's embraced it like no other. Um, and I know Sark sees that, because that's basically Debo Samuel is what he envisioned Savion Red to be. Yeah. But 
No, he's just not saying it, but it's yeah, it's because it's not his terminology. It he is, knows but that. still, it, 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 it that's what it is. And Bijan is that guy too. Bijan's going to Arthur Smith, who is the second, I think, leading mind of positionless football and offense in the NFL with Cordero Patterson at running back, Kyle Pitts at tight end slash receiver. Now he's got Bijan. He also has been embracing that. Yes, but he at least I think he'll you know. Unlike Sark, he uses the term. And strangely enough, the Falcon thing, too, right? Because yeah. all of them coach for the Falcons. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah. maybe Arthur Blank's just a big, big fan of it. Uh, he might be. I don't <laughs> know. I mean, those guys think about stuff. They're supposed to be thinking about stuff yeah. like that. And they said Bijan Robinson is not going to be a running back. He's going to be a weapon. We will see if they use him like that. That'll be fun. Uh, hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, for his sake, considering what they're paying running backs these days, Ooh. he would love to be a weapon and yeah. not a running back. I'm sure he is thrilled that he is not on the market for a little while. Wow. Hopefully Bro, that fixes before then. Can I give you a random stat about running backs that I saw? I saw this on NFL Live, and I had to take a picture of it because I was like, that can't be real. And it was. Um, so this comes from uh, uh, Nina Kimes. They, basically, uh, she claims that the – Franchise tag value of the running back position at 2015 was 11 million, and it has dropped. It's the only position that has dropped in franchise tag value since 2015. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like, how does that? To me, the players' union's got to take a stance. It's like, no, nah, this has got to be – and I know it's not something that the NFL is doing on purpose and intentional. I'm not saying that you know there's conspiracy going on or anything like that, but – Dude, they got to rectify that somehow. That's crazy. That's yeah, a- for for a position that is so important to the game. What? To be like, I don't know, the value between between the best player and the 40th best player is is $2 million. Is, That's insane. And I get, insane. I get why these young guys have to do it. I get it. I get that if you're a young man and you're a running back and you tried to make it and you don't know how long your legs are going to last and the difference between being a millionaire and being a thousandaire is signing a lower contract than you're worth? I get it. Hey, man, look, $2 million is better than no million dollars. I get it. But at a certain point, you have to be able to fight back and go, man, you can't keep signing these. Like, you had a good season. You can't mm-hmm. sign for no money. I know you can't keep signing one-year deals. you got to sign longer-term deals. Well, then that's the shelf life of the running back, which is yeah. also the issue because they don't but have if you many years. Sign, if you want to sign short-term, make the money. You can't make no money and short term. You got to take one or the other. No, the domino effect has been devastating. Think about it, because running backs are paid less. Some of the franchise tag value dropping over an eight-year span, so they're paid less and valued less. So they're drafted, not drafted as high. So they don't yeah. get the money initially. So they're not drafted as high. And then once they they prove their worth, uh, get them a second contract. Those contracts have now become precipitously devalued as well and their shelf life is shorter than any other position in the nfl it's i mean (laughs) now the good news is if if they ever want to unite eventually they're all just going to be on one-year deals just every single running back in the league is going to be on a one in this back hey no we're none of us are re-signed not one of us is until you decide to give us fair wage wow and there right now the average salary for running backs is between the punter and the kicker the punter is below Good it's Lord. right above. And I'm not, it's crazy. No, I'm not. That's crazy. <laughs> it's unbelievable what's going on. The you got to play every day. You got to protect our most valuable assets. Crazy. And we're not going to pay you. 
I don't know what the hell's going on with that position. All right, David Mulligetta, if you're listening, take up the cost. <laughs> Just be like, hey, man, I'm a re- running back. Come to me. I'll represent you. I'll get you paid. This is all Zeke's fault. <laughs> Honestly, he's a part of the narrative. He you is. Know? Yeah. yeah he, is a, he is a big part of it, too. Um, all right. Um, let's get to we'll, – we'll come back to the uh, Texas football slash Texas basketball conversation because there is a, a, a sports – I believe it's sports business journal – they put out an unofficial, like their unofficial ranking, and it's actually via Open Doors. So I wouldn't even say it's them. It's via Open Doors, which is a company that tracks NIL transactions and compensation all across the country for all different sports. And their claim is that the research that they've done, the Big 12, the Big 12 actually has more NIL compensation dollars that they've tracked than any other Power 5 conference. They said this is through May 2023. They have the Big 12 number one. They don't have the figures here. They do not have the figures. They have the Big 12 number one, the Big 10 number two. They got the Pac-12 number three and the SEC number four. ACC rounds it up. Well, we know the SEC knows how to hide their money. So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that the SEC, it's like the people that are still selling weed on the like illegally in Colorado, <laughs> which you know some dudes are. They're still like, hey, man, I'm still buying. It's like, are you still buying your weed? Why? Why, why? why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean uh, the price has got to be pretty Damn low. Damn the man. I'll buy it from, <laughs> buy it from Tony. <laughs> right? So to me, that's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm assuming like, Patrick, like, yeah, it's just under the table stuff still going on in the SEC. Because yeah, it's the SEC. The SEC you know, bag man still has a gig. You know Big 12. We're just loud. We're just, so if you give money, we're like, it is on. Every, I'm telling everybody that I'm paying this guy. It's crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I, it seems. I'm, I'm shocked by that. I'm, sh- I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by it. I really am. That, but like I said, I I think it's there's a lot under the table going on in the SEC, and hey, it's the it's a it's it's the SEC is a wild place, man. Get ready yeah. for it. It's hard it's hard to break old traditions, you know. Yes, and I think it will. But think about it, nil is relatively still new, so yeah. all the mechanisms of the old corrupt guard are probably still in place, and they haven't totally abolished them yet. They're probably on their way to abolishing all yeah, that stuff you, once they can get the nil machine. Fully functioning. Yeah, because it's because technically you still can't do nil to recruit players. I mean, not te- yeah, technically. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's still a lot of so that. they're yeah. like, well, no, this we've always done this way. This yeah. is how we recruit. And players. this guy said he wanted the money. He wanted the money. You know what? We can if we can give him the money right now. We can get him over this school. Yeah. How can we get the money? We can't do it through nil because that's illegal. Well, we still got the bag man. Go call the bag man. Call Tell the bag, the bag man. man said we need we need about <laughs> twenty thousand and we need to clean. All right, all right. Tell him that's a down payment on it. No, that's exactly that's what's true. going on. That's a, I totally agree. This is our. our and by the way, that happens in all conferences i'm not saying it's just the sec i'm just saying the sec is really good that is better at it than everybody else it has been reported in multiple (laughs) suspensions that this is not a new thing uh that's that sports business journal we'll come back to that conversation i think it's interesting Uh, i think a big part of the big 12 being the king of nil conversation is texas i mean that's a big part of it that open doors that same company that they got their figures from 
Um, remember, uh, they they're the one to and I, I believe this was uh, Texas Business Journal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they actually sorry, Austin Business Journal. I apologize. Austin Business Journal. Um, they are the ones and I believe it was Blake Lawrence, the CEO of Open Doors. He said when they track hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of transactions through technology, uh, their platform that they have f- through the first 20 months of NIL, Texas was number one in the country in their data set and in our compensation for student athletes. So, right, at least in the arms race right now, Texas is doing a great job. So, Texas is a big part of uh, the Big 12's superiority right now in NIL compensation, or at least the stuff that's on the books. I'm, I'm agreeing with Patrick, I think. The SEC. Is, <laughs> I, think, I think they've got some old Havenstein hard. <laughs> still, still that guy in Colorado. He's selling weed illegally. It's like, bro, why are you taking this chance? Go get a job with a dispensary. Come on, like, man. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll get into uh, Texans, a little NFL news notes and nuggets. Tex- oh, and we may have a report on who's going to do hard knocks. You probably could guess who it is. We'll get into that. Will Anderson signs and pro football focus ranking the best secondaries in the NFL. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put on the horn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you ever stop loving me, I'm taking what I have. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now the horn. It is a smooth soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104. Now the horn. Um, it actually is intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a rough weekend. Um, not the, really the case uh, for anybody. Um, actually, I take that back. Um, the weekend was a little bit rough um, for LSU, um, but. That's all right. I mean, they got the game one. Huh? They got they won they game game one. They did game one. So it wasn't a total thing, but yeah, yeah, I guess yesterday was a little rough one. Yeah. But today, so hopefully. It was, it was a little tough for Astros fans until the win at the end. Yeah. I guess Rangers lost their series. Rangers lost. The Astros lost the series. Yeah. A brutal loss on Saturday night. Yeah. That yeah. was not the, fun to watch. The Astros have not been fun to watch. Well, did you see how they oh, lost yeah. on Saturday? No. They called a balk on Ryan Stanek that was questionable at best. Uh, when it was a tie ball game and a man on third, and it walked home the winning run on a balk. Yeah, no, in, the, uh, in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, the Astros are in trouble. Uh, they haven't had the injury luck hadn't been on their side like yeah. it has been in recent years. And I'm with you; it just seems like they haven't been able to make their own luck like they have been in the recent years. So no, but I, I will. And say, And the Rangers are for real. If and if, the Angels, the Angels are for real too. Mm-hmm. I think if if the Astros get healthy, Jose Abreu is now hitting the ball a lot better. Yeah, they get healthy. That's not my concern anymore. The concern now is that the Rangers and the Angels yeah. are going to make you work for it. I, I, yeah, but I think if especially if Brantley comes back. But Altuve was gone on Sunday as well. He yeah. had a uh, bruise in his heel, so he missed Sunday's game. Dubon made some great defensive plays. But, yeah, it was a 
It's not fun to watch that when you're like, hey, we got the lead. We got, and they blew leads in Saturday mm. and Sunday. Came back and won Sunday, but blew leads Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, no, trust me. I'm starting to get nervous as an Astros fan. I wasn't nervous at first. I was like, ah, it's a long season. Yeah. And I was like, no, the the Rangers, first of all, the Rangers are legit. The Rangers are the real deal. Yeah. And I, by the, as, as a baseball fan, you got to love to see what the Angels are doing because you can get Shohei in the playoffs in the postseason. That'd be fantastic. As an Astros fan, you got to be a little anxious about that because – the Angels are playing good ball. Well, we do get a good series this weekend. Astros-Rangers uh, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right, we'll break that down. That's so that'll sexy. be coming up this week. That'll be a fun one to watch. That will be fun. Um, I wonder if Hard Knocks will be fun to watch this season, gentlemen. Uh, this comes from NBC Sports. They're claiming, per a league source, the Jets are bracing for the preseason Hard Knocks assignment. Despite despite uh, making known publicly that they don't want to do it. By the way, none of the teams want to do it. The reports are that all the teams who have basically the NFL, there's a certain criteria where teams can be forced, compelled to do it by the NFL, and they don't have a choice. Uh, but all these teams, the, the Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 the Saints, the Bears, and the Commanders all have expressed their disdain um, for the idea of being the Hard Knocks team this year. And um, but they're going to force some team to do it, and it's going to be one of them teams. And the Jets are the team that everybody wants to watch. Nobody wants to watch the Saints, the Bears, the Commanders. Yeah, if I was the Bears, I'd want to do it though. I feel like if I was the Bears, I'd be like, "Hey, let's go get ahead. Let's let these young guys. Let's show that we're a really fun, cool team. Maybe we can get some free agents in the upcoming years to build this team around. If we show what a great culture we have and what like what we're doing, like I feel like I'd try and use that as a plus because they need plus." In Chicago, because nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to. But if you're like, hey, man, we may be getting a new stadium soon. We're getting to like positive. We're trending in the right direction. You are. But I do. I think they believe they can actually win the division this year. I got a shot because Aaron Rodgers is gone. Yeah. All right. Because Aaron Rodgers is gone. And the Minnesota Vikings were a bit of a Fugazi, a Fugazi last yeah. year. We talked about that. And they were exposed in the playoffs. So and and Detroit, Detroit's trending, right? I like Detroit, yeah. but it's still Detroit. Right? We still don't know if we can totally trust Detroit. I love Detroit because I'm a, I was a former Detroit Lion, but I get why people wouldn't just totally jump on the Detroit bandwagon because most people haven't seen them. I've seen them, and yeah. I know that offense is legit. And when they get their defense up to par, the Lions going to be something to be reckoned with. But most people don't give a damn about the Lions, so they they believe they got a chance to make a run and not run, but win this division this year. They can potentially win it, and that's why I don't think they want. Any potential clown show. Yeah. Yeah. Because they think Justin Fields is going to take a second-year leap this year. I, I get that. I just – I think you should have more faith. Like, I get why if you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, you were like, please do not bring any cameras around here because we don't need anyone saying something offhanded and that's somehow getting back to him because it was filmed and now we got a whole thing where he hates this rookie because he doesn't have respect for the game and all that. Like, I could see that as you just be like, I get it, Aaron Rodgers – we just no no variables no variables. But if I'm Chicago, you're not winning the division. You're just not. I don't what think do it's happening that? because their defense isn't good enough. Their offense isn't good enough. Aaron Rodgers is gone. I I get that, but he I think the they're division. still. I think they're still not. And Minnesota ain't Minnesota's got quarterback by Kirk Minnesota, Cousins. And yeah, nobody believes I get in that. that. But they have Justin Jefferson on that team, who's yeah. going to get them at least. I like co- Minnesota, but I'm just saying it. it's not. There's no guarantee. And even if you're winning the division, I don't like. The point should not be to win the division. The point should be to win the Super Bowl, right? I just I don't think that baby steps. I don't think I think they're viewing themselves in a different light than the rest of the NFL is viewing them. 
I agree with that. I don't disagree and with that I, at I all. I think that's where you need someone to yeah. come in and go, hey, man, we need to make this good PR. Plus, if we didn't run it, why don't we get all the fans on board about how fun this team is going to be this year and go get – like, if I'm the owner, I'm going, I want I want to be on Hard Knocks because I think we can make we can make the Bears a really fun team. And the Bears are not traditionally a fun team. That's true. No, you can get some You can get The some most fans. fun thing about the Bears was the SNL skits in the 90s. That was the most fun thing about the Bears ever. <laughs> I, I think if you're talking about just embracing a clown show, the Jets should do it because the Jets, you share the one of the biggest media markets in the world with the Giants yeah. or an actual playoff team with the Yankees who are the freaking Yankees, all right, with the, the Mets and with you know, the Knicks who made the playoffs recently. You share the that, huh? The, the Nets. Nets too. Yeah, you share that market with a lot of teams. You you actually need to be the focus of the clown show. Yes, you're trying to win a Super Bowl too, but Hey man, you need eyes. You need people to. You need to be the biggest story. You already are one of the biggest stories in sports. Yeah. But you need to be the biggest story in the NFL when NFL season starts. It is the number one television product in America, and in 2023, we should be talking about the J E T S Jets 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 more than any other team. And that the best way to do that is to start with the hard knocks. I, I will say, if I embrace I'm, it, if I'm the hard knocks people, I don't know why we have waited this long to say it's the Jets. Because it's, it's, it's if, we, if we have to pick, then it's always been the Jets. It will always be the Jets. And do you think anybody in New Orleans right now is like, we're safe? Yes. New the Orleans and Commanders. The only way that it's coming to New Orleans is if Roger Goodell is like, hey, guys, you got to take <laughs> one for the team. We're going to make them go there. Nobody cares. Just look. No. Look, and trust me, they're not going to find anything because no one's going to watch. <laughs> no, and nobody would. The commanders, I don't think people would watch either. And it would paint the NFL in a bad light because they have bad, because of the owners, the previous yeah, ownership, they have shoddy facilities. Like, you know what I mean? And he has it. They, they want to upgrade that. And one of the, I guess, one of the characters in Hard Knocks is always the facilities. Yeah, I know. Mike McDaniel just took a shot at them recently, too. Oh. About something, and he was like, "Oh, I wonder if they could buy my coffee for me now." <laughs> I didn't have to pay my Back coffee in the now. day when he was working, yeah, for him? yeah. He was basically nope. had to pay for my own coffee. Oh, so, exactly. And it would expose some of that. So yeah, I don't want that. But stuff. I have new owners, so their new owners yeah. maybe. But I don't know if how great. Like, I bet they would want to wait until. Have they, they get, changed everything yet? I, I bet yeah. they want to get the new facilities, the new building, <laughs> all of that stuff. Have and you then changed go, the dining hall? Have you been that detailed yet? Where you got in there and changed all the policies so you don't look bad on you television? You want to see a producer going up and pressing on the railing, seeing if they fall <laughs> yeah, again? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I, I, I don't think the commanders have no. no I don't think they shot. want to do it. Right it's now. the Jets. It's the Jets. It's got to be the Jets. Don't NFL. Don't do this to us. All right. Don't do this. You know we want to watch the Jets, and that's it. There's a reason you are the number one television product in America. It's because you know what the people want, I, and you give the people what they want, and what they want is Aaron Rodgers, and they want to see the you know potential the potential meltdown with Aaron Rodgers, too. But also they want to see Aaron Rodgers, we, the we, drama. He's a drama king. We want to see Aaron Rodgers continually find the cameras, walk into frame, and then be mad that he's in the camera shot, even though he walked direct like, – when he sees it, walks in and goes, these guys are following me around. Like, you just came in the room, man. What exactly. Yeah, he'd be passive aggressive all the time. Why, oh, why are you great. in the DB room, Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> oh, now you follow me around. Oh, uh, yeah. Who, what young players does Aaron Rodgers embrace? Because we know notoriously he brought his own crew of friends there because he wanted to feel comfortable and they wanted him comfortable. Does he embrace, because I hear him in uh, like Sauce Gardner and of course him and Garrett Wilson have to be hanging out a lot. It's going to be his number one wideout. So I don't know. It, it, so many storylines could develop from it. NFL, don't let us down. Uh, speaking of the NFL, uh, the Texans, they actually um, 
over the weekend, they signed Will Anderson. So it is a done deal. Uh, they did sign their first-round pick, uh, Will Anderson. Their other first-round pick. Well, he's the first top-five pick to sign, right? You might be right about that. I think he's the first top-five pick to sign. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's a good sign because you get him under and it's – And my thing was – I thought it was all slotted anyway. Like, I, I think don't it's really guarantees. It. Yeah, it's I think so there's like yeah. guarantees. Which yeah. they gave him fully guaranteed. So at this point – It's what I'm saying. Like this point, like, that seems like a pretty easy one to sign. If you're like, it's slotted and it's fully guaranteed. I don't know how much more verbiage there is in there, but maybe there's stuff about – Maybe there's incentives, caveats, and incentives stuff, and, and stuff like that. And if you make a Pro of, Bowl, yeah. And, all that kind and of maybe stuff. there's stuff of like you know you have stuff in there of outs of conduct, and they go, "Oh no, that conduct." Yeah, my guy's allowed to do this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my guy that. really, really loves skiing, so we need to have two skiing trips put in there. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> oh no, you can't ski, man. I know, but I'm saying <laughs> yeah. something like that. Right, though, no, that is semantics that they get into. That, that yeah, could yeah, be yeah. that is what. No, you're right. No, you're right about that kind of stuff because those contracts, they have all types of stipulations and morality clauses and stuff like that. Um, Aaron Wilson from KPRC uh, in uh, H-Town, he says, as Patrick mentioned, deal fully guaranteed, $35, little $35.2 million uh, with a fifth-year option. That's standard uh, for first-rounders. Um, he also includes $22 million when he's $22.6 million when he signs, so a lot of straight cash, homie. For him, and yes, I'm. I can't wait to see, you know, what he does. What, what, what would have, what, what expectation level, or at least what projection does Will Anderson have to meet to make the pick, at least in the first year, to make the pick feel like it was worth the Texans moving all the way up and spending all that draft capital to make Texans fans yeah. feel good about it. I in mean, the first year, he's got to be in top three defensive. Rookie of the year. Like, I think he's got to be in the voting, right? Yeah, like, top three. Yes. Like, if you're okay. top three, because he doesn't have to win it, because if someone just has a breakout year, you can't go, well, that's a failure. Yes. He has a 10-sack season, and someone else has, you know, 14 interceptions. You can go, oh, well. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. You, you can't yeah. get mad at him. Like, if Sauce Gardner wins it last year, you go, well, yeah, well, that's, he's Sauce Gardner. Anyone else below him, if you're still in the voting, you're good. So, I, I think top three defensive rookie of the year. I don't know what the number is on sacks. But you like to see him. It's also going to be the better he is, the more you're going to see teams help over on him. Because no doubt, because they just don't have the other forces to really push. You know, you can you can double team him a lot. Wait, the Texans don't have anybody else. If they yeah. had another really good pass rusher, you'd be like, oh, we got to double team that guy too. Yeah. So I, I wonder if he'll get double team early on, or if they'll they'll force. I think they'll just let him prove himself. So if he gets high sack numbers, it'll be the first like six games. Yeah. Before teams decide, all right, now nah, we got to take him away. We got to take him yeah, out exactly. of the game. Um. So I, yeah, I'm with you hey, to to make it worth their to me to make the pick worth it. Or and I'm not sure. Listen, we still got. You know, three, four years before his contract is up. So ultimately, that's what will determine, uh, be the true test to whether it was worth it for the Texans. But in your first year, you'd like to see some return on investment, especially with a defensive-minded coach like D'Amico Ryan. Well, and especially if you're not, if you have a bottom ten record, which is pretty likely, knowing that that pick is going to go to Arizona next year, that's a hard off season to take when you go in the draft not having your first round pick. If he doesn't have a good year. You're right about it, that. It's that much harder to sell to your fan base that it was a good pick when now, potential-wise, the number seven mm-hmm. pick that they have, oh, that guy could be a Hall of Famer, and Will Anderson don't look like a Hall of Famer. Like So you just the selling it to the teams and selling it to fans, it makes it a lot harder when that pick comes out, depending on where you're Totally agree. Uh, according to uh, the ESPN analytics at the time, the approximate value-based uh, draft pick valuation that they have, their little tools that they have, uh, Houston and Casario committed the second biggest overpayment of draft capital 
for a non-quarterback in the past 20 drafts. Julio Jones was the only trade uh, that was bigger, a bigger overpayment. A lot of people said in retrospect that was worth it because Julio yeah. Jones is a Hall of Famer. If Will Anderson's a Hall of Famer, it was totally worth it. Yeah. Um, or if he's an all-pro. No, and or, and know, if C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson are Hall of Famers, then it's the greatest trade of all time. It's, I mean, it's not really. It, it, no, it's in a, no, it's in a conversation but, for being one of the great trades. But you're like, trades, oh, no, yeah. to bring two Hall of Famers in the same class, two and three. Yep. It is. The odds of that happening, pretty small. But it, you, you sit there and you look at those, is it an overpayment versus not? And that first season where he says, that rookie season, you just want to see both those guys at least chart as good, solid, they deserve to be picked in the top five. Yes. That's really what you want to see. Yeah. Were these guys both top five picks, or did you swing a miss and draft a 15th round pick, like a pick because you should have been 15? Still a good player, Yeah, but you gave up two firsts for him. Yeah, and if you whiff on both of them, it'll be one of the biggest blunders in the history of the NFL and draft. It will just, on both. And Nick Casario <laughs> will have to walk away with his tail between his legs. Uh, yeah, and you know what? It'll, yeah, that's a great point. I wonder how long they would give him. That's the thing, too. He's got to work true. out quickly for him just so he has more job security. Because yeah. I think if they look bad and poor in the first season, people can start looking at Nick Casario like, okay, you fired – Two one-and-done coaches, and you made this huge trade, and it doesn't look like it's working out. We might need to go a different direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're good at scouting. Because, again, it's like how the, the Patriots are. Really good at scouting late in the draft. Can you scout early in the draft? They're two different skill sets. Yep. Totally agree. And, and if, he's, if they find that he's not doing that, and they're like, well, we're going to be early in the draft a lot, so. <laughs> but figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, we'll come back. we got the flex on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Down the Horn. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now the Horn Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now the Horn. Glad to have my man Patrick back in the building DJing a Smooth Soul Monday. Uh, Harge is out on vacation all this week. Um, so you can hit him up. You can cyber stalk him at Harge Knock Life. Uh, sorry, at, at Hardball Harge in the uh, Twitterverse. And for Harge Knock Life, actually, we'll be getting into uh, some other Texas uh, football discussion in Harge Knock Life now that Harge is out. Uh, you can hit me up via Twitter at Rod Babers and my man uh, Patrick is at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. 512-337-3776, number to the Specs text line. Uh, go to Flex, FLXATX.com, FLXATX on all your social media platforms. The Flex uh, gives a shout-out here to uh, the Round Rock Dragons who are crowned the D17-on-7 uh, state champs. Uh, Mason Crockren, who was actually on the flex a couple of weeks ago, um, he uh, he was uh, talking about how good they were. We were just talking about the team and how excited he was about uh, this year's team. Uh, well, so maybe a good omen for them. Uh, they went eight and zero 
at the 707 State Championship at Veterans Memorial Park. Um, Mason Cochran led the charge. He was on offense of Storton quarterback and uh, Leonard Moore, who I think is the I think he's the best cornerback in Central Texas right now. Um, sure, it's a good conversation, but just in my uh, opinion, he is. Um, he's actually one of the anchors on defense for them. Uh, but they, they, they are a really good team skill-wise, obviously showing that once again with a uh, seven-on-seven uh, state championship. So congrats to the Round Rock Dragons. Go to flxatx.com to find out more details about it. Uh, you also can get that replay, the rewind, uh, and you can go hear the uh, Mason Cochran Flex show that uh, was a couple of weeks ago. Also, I believe this week is the last Flex we're going to have. I believe so, yes. Yeah, I believe this week, the last flex, you're going to make sure you tune in for that. Uh, all right, we come back, we'll get into some NBA news, notes and nuggets. Patrick is back, he's our, our resident NBA aficionado, so we'll ask him about all of the NBA stories that went down while he was out. Also ask him about Wimby Mania happening, he's a Spurs fan, and we'll get into the trades that happened, or reportedly the trade that is happening today uh, in the NBA, and Dame Lillard could we have Dame Lillard news breaking? Uh, we'll discuss that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.